Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Elle Stanger. Hi, John. Hey. Hey. Where can we find you? Uh, Metric.cafe on Instagram. Yeah. I was just saying earlier, uh, if I haven't been kicked off again, stripper writer on Instagram. I wonder how long Instagram will be around. Um, as long as people want it to, probably. And if they keep fucking with the timeline, then not long. <laughs> no. MySpace technically still exists, but it's not like yeah. happening. So yeah, um, I mean, other <laughs> they exist in the way that like, I don't know, like, I don't know, Twinkies exists where like they're a thing, but they're not a thing. Nobody anymore. needs Twinkies. Yeah, no. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on stripperwriter.com. So we're going to talk about non-monogamy. I'm going to tell a little story. And then I would love for John to share and ask me any question that comes to mind. Because I got really excited about this. Um, <clears throat> so this is a thing I was telling my therapist. And I think a lot of other women might identify with this. And I think some men are about to learn. So there is an entire double standard between me fucking another woman, whether she's cis or trans, um, and me fucking another man. Okay, for a lot of dudes. And honestly, a lot of the times I think it's not even the fact that it's a man or a woman, but if there's a dick involved. So if there is a man's dick, another man's dick going into my vagina, that can be a game changer for a lot of, you know, <laughs> boyfriends that are like, oh, yeah, I'm open. You just can't fuck other dudes. Yeah. You know, where it's like by fetishizing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, so. I had a thought. I was, I think I was ovulating. I was pretty um, activated. Horny is not a cute word, but I texted B. I was like, I'm horny. <laughs> and it, it can be a cute word. It can be, I guess. So I, I asked him, can I hook up with so-and-so? Because it just sprang to mind. This was someone I'd hooked up with some years ago and for a while. So we have a history. Um, and he said, sure, I trust your judgment. And I remember responding to him. I said, ha, weird. <laughs> God. And he says, weird, why? And I said, well, no, it's awesome. I said, thank you. I'm going to message them. Um, I said, it's weird because we've never done this before. And he says, yeah, we did with my lady friend. Yeah. Uh, he said her name. And it, it like snapped in my head. I was like, oh, my God, I'm like experiencing the double standard. Like I'm, I'm just expecting it. Because I've expected it so much. And he's like, there's no difference. You and macho broed yourself. I did. I played myself. Damn. So, <laughs> but, so, but this is just something that's so commonly experienced. Yeah. So I, I tentatively, I, I messaged my friend, my old friend. Um, we got together. He responded immediately, which I was like, <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> so that was good for my self-esteem, like right away. Yeah. Um, I asked them if they had any condoms. Uh, they said yes. They had been really bad about using them in the past. So I was like, cool. Okay. It's been some years. Like, we're growing up. Progress Go has been made. Right? Nice to see you again. Um, we had really fun sex. Uh, I have never really left so quickly in my time when I was fucking that person because I didn't have any interest in, like, emotional bonding. 
Yeah. You know, I was like, thanks. That was fun. You're my friend. Kiss my cheek. Walk me to the door. But I didn't want to like pillow talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that that made me feel really good. That was good for my self-esteem. That's awesome. Thank you. And then I texted B. I was like, hey, headed home. Had a great time. Um, you know, thanks again for being comfortable. And he's like, wow, that was fast. <laughs> he's like, I'm glad you had fun. And I was like, yeah, I am efficient. And that's what I said to him. I said, I, I am efficient because I just wanted to fuck. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to like find somebody else to confide all my secrets to and talk about all of my day and shit. Yeah. Um, so I went home. It's amazing. It takes like a lot of stability in a relationship to be able to do that and a lot of like communication and trust overall because uh, like you, you, if you have even an ounce of insecurity around that, then like there's going to be a lot of problems. Well, I'm still waiting because you know how when you're in relationship, things can be fine, but then it turns out they're not like maybe it'll get brought up in a fight or something. Yeah. Oh, I've done that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, what happened next? So that's right. So I didn't see B for two days after that. He didn't send me any text messages about can't wait to be the next one to fuck you or like yeah. he didn't ask me whose dick was bigger, which is a thing. Um, yeah, he didn't. That ask, is a thing. That yeah. is a thing. Yeah, um, I may have asked. Yeah, he didn't like it, it was almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. It hey, was, only like several weeks into the relationship. <laughs> you know how long that took to not like. Was that like two months ago? Oh, I don't know, like um, probably a month ago. <laughs> I mean, <but> yeah, no. <laughs> yes, you're growing up okay, very fast. It may not fast. been like several weeks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, At jealousy point, is I a asked. thing. We and it wasn't even just like jealousy because I'm like even body positive about myself certain times. Like for other people, like I can bring body positivity up to like the dial of 100. And then for myself, I'm like, it depends on the day. But you like, like your dick. You've said before. You're oh, like, yeah, no, I do. I like the aesthetic of it. I'm very pleased with the fact that I'm like one inch above average. And then like... Well, you're very tall. Yeah. So that would make sense for you. Yeah. So like proportionally things look all right. And then my boyfriend is like significantly larger than i and he's, he's very short yeah well, he's so. not very short but he's, he's just he's a little short yeah um but his dick is fucking massive and <laughs> yeah which is such a people like look at a guy's shoes if you want to know about his dick yeah bullshit no, absolutely um, not yeah thank you you will find nothing out about my dick by looking at my shoes <laughs> other than the fact that my shoes are longer than my dick <laughs> i wear like a size 14 um uh, if your dick is longer than your shoes though please write to us because i'm interested in seeing your dick and uh the uh experiences of trauma that all the women or men who you've been fucking um <laughs> yeah i want to know about the lube you use um so okay so i'm like bracing i'm still trying to be like okay so the sex with the with the other person happened you know let's see if there's any reaction so then me and b um we met up after work went home we each showered and he didn't try to have really dominating like violent ownership sex of me either like with me which is a yeah. thing which is yeah. a thing like i'm gonna reclaim you woman that's a fucking thing <laughs> that's fucking nuts are you serious yes Yes. Holy shit. I want to hear from... I didn't even thought about that. Like, yeah. po post non-monogamous sex, sex, like... How, how it can be reactive. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. Mm -hmm. So Reclaiming, reclaimative sex. Yeah, it's, and that's a term I heard when I went on a bro podcast and... Um, and I'm not being like denigrating to them. Bro is actually in the title of the pro of the podcast. Um, no, it is. I don't know. It's you sure, Al? You're not bro -om. shaming. It's B R O A U M. I don't really know how to say it. Bro om uh, podcast with uh, Ben and I can't remember the other guy's name. But yeah, no, reclamative sex was a term that they had used in terms of like describing their jealousy about you know, having your lover after your lover's been had by someone else. Yeah. So once their uh, virginity has been restolen from rest them. <laughs> Recolonize <laughs> this body. Oh God. Mm hmm. L you're white. You can't say that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but really, no, like that's what it comes down to. It's an yeah. ownership thing. It's a patriarchy thing. Yeah. So, um, so that didn't happen. So it was our typical, like very vanilla, like where he's kind of my subordinate, where he like ate my ass for a while and then fucked me gently. And I was like, oh, thanks, baby. Girls. You know? Yeah, totally. No, it's, I love <laughs> it. That's like I'm princess butthole. I'm so spoiled. So but it was like I was like, oh, you ate my ass and then you fucked me nicely. And that and it was normal. So no weirdness there. You found kind of a nice little rundown of the different types of uh, non-monogamy styles. Yeah. I see on psychologytoday.com seven forms of non-monogamy. 
by Elizabeth A. Sheff, PhD, CASA, CSE. Oh, she's a certified sex educator. That's what that means. Um, exploring the wide world of extra dyadic sexual relationships. Uh, classical monogamy was the one I was trying to remember. So that would be if two, quote, virgins get married and then they are only having sex with each other. And if anyone dies, it doesn't matter if it's like a day or a year or whatever, but if one of them dies, then too bad. <laughs> that well, yeah, was because how else will you like confront your partner when you go up to heaven? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> to add an addendum to that, um, identifies like an atheist. So when yeah. you hear my jokes about heaven, um, <laughs> try not to take them too seriously. Yeah. Oh no. Somebody asked me, um, my lady friend sent me a text the other day because of the, uh, Georgia abortion bill. Oh yeah. No. Me. Yeah. So my lady friend said that she asked a pro, uh, or a pro-lifer slash anti-choice person, um, where do all the aborted fetuses go? Do they go to heaven? <laughs> And she said the girl gave her a, quote, 404 page not found look. <laughs> God. Um, so serial monogamy is what has replaced classical monogamy. So you go through cycles of being monogamous with people, which means you're with one partner intensely for that time and then next partner intensely for that time. These are the populations that don't get regular STI testing tends to be serial monogamous people because they rationalize that, well, I was only with one person. We were only with each other. Yeah. And even sometimes when there's been, um, you know, infidelity, quote, cheating, you know, activities outside of the uh, agreement of the relationship, a lot of times people still don't get tested. I'll hear like, oh, my boyfriend was cheating on me, so I broke up with him or whatever. And I'm like, did you get tested? No. <laughs> interesting <laughs> that's discussed in one of the books we're going to go into when we do our book roulette segment later but more than two talks about people who are at very higher risk for sti transmission and long-term um, infection or damage are people who are serial monogamous so well there's probably a whole like cohort of ideas about the fact that oh i'm just sleeping with one person so there's nothing to worry about when in fact that you could be sleeping with nobody and still be like needing you, to get tested you could t yeah i mean yeah. you could get staph infection from a gym bench yeah you know you can get i've learned now what they call um herpes whitlow um it's the athletes that get herpes acquire herpes from skin friction yeah in sports so there's all kinds of ways you can transmit things, yeah. uh, whether or not you're in relationships that communicate and are risk aware. So polygamy, we know about this one. That's when it's one dude and a bunch of women. Yes. Poly there's a lot of equality in that one. <laughs> Polygyny is the opposite of that. So many women, one guy. Uh polyandry a marriage of one wife to multiple husbands is far more rare as marriages between one woman and multiple men have received less social political and cultural support than have polygynous relationships that's from this article open they just they discuss open as being an umbrella term for consensually non-monogamous relationships i heard the other day that it's a good idea to replace ethically non-monogamous with consensually non-monogamous because ethics are totally subjective like what does it mean to be ethical to you, you yeah know, consensual we know what consensual means yeah agreed upon so i thought that was interesting so which one's the better term to use consensual consensual okay yeah because ethics are up for debate whereas consent is not because exactly. someone needs to have given a yes or no mm -hmm. okay so language suggestion consensual non-monogamy instead of ethical non-monogamy okay yeah but you can still practice ethical non-monogamy it's just better if it's like labeled as consensual like yeah just start calling it consensual it's a better umbrella term right okay. because in saying i practice consensual non-monogamy that it's already being explained that Both parties partner. are agreeing to it. Yeah. Whereas ethical is like, well, tell me more. What does that mean to you? Um, that means I tell them I have a wife before I fuck them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every guy on Tinder. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my Married, God. Oh my God. So down low. <laughs> sorry. I'm getting a flashback from my stripper shift last night. Oh my God. So this was about 12 hours ago. This was happening, but I was giving some dances to a really sexy man who he gets a few songs for me every once in a while. He brings his friends into the club. Um, he likes to show me off. 
Um, he thinks I'm cute. I think he's cute. You know, we flirt with each other. He's a very casual regular. Um, he told me last night, he says, do you know why I started coming in here the first place? I said, no. He said his roommate came home about seven years ago and said that I had chugged his beer and then baby birded it into his mouth on stage. Oh my God. I used to be a wild alcoholic, John. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever This is amazing. Do you even remember this? Kind of. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) That's fun. So, so apparently he said that his roommate loved it and I was like, damn, that doesn't sound consensual to me at all. But again, this is seven years ago. He said, (laughs) I'm just imagining you up on stage doing that. There's a lot. to now where you're like, like you, you do things a little, it sounds differently. (laughs) Yeah. I've become slightly more refined (laughs) as I fold my collar and my sweater. Um, when I harass people now, it's just much more subtle. Um, so he told me that that's what his roommate came home and said that I did. And so he's like, I and got that's what got him into yeah. the club. He's like, I got to see. <laughs> so and he told me oh that God. what I had said to him, one of the times I gave him a dance years ago was <clears throat> if I matched with you on Tinder, I would fuck you, squirt on you and never call you again. <laughs> And so um, I he's like, do you remember saying that? And I said, no, but I believe that I did. <laughs> wow, I've had to say that a lot of times. <laughs> Pencils. Oh my god. And alcohol, but yeah. <clears throat> so oh anyway, god. where were we? Um. Oh, but my customer friend also told me that he's now in an open, uh, consensually open relationship with his girlfriend. Interesting. Which makes me very happy. He listens to the show. Cool. Hey, Stud Muffin. Um. Swinging. Okay, so swinging is in the umbrella of non-monogamy. What's your understanding of swinging? So at least from how I've understood it, it's when people generally tend to organize social events where there's like, do they do like swingers parties or even if it's not a party, then they're like trading quote unquote partners. Uh, so generally that'll be like heterosexual people trading partners. Um, but I'm sure that there's the same thing for like, you know, the entire LGBT spectrum. Um, swinging is, yeah, swinging tends to be, so studies of this, since you mentioned that, uh, swingers tend to be white, middle to upper class, uh, hetero, uh, married, and children who have left home, grown children. Or if, like, children swinging is seen as more within the system of monogamy than other forms of non-monogamy? Probably because it's contained. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Um, so apparently, according to this article on Psychology Today, Seven Forms of Non-Monogamy by Elizabeth A. Chef, uh, she says that swinging in the U.S., at least as far as they know, began after World War II, uh, uh, the practice of wife swapping among U.S. Air Force pilots. That's incredibly specific. I wonder how they discovered that. <laughs> Specifically the pilots. And so this is, ooh, this is a note to that. Generally a heterosexual focused subculture, swingers have a reputation for being much more open to girl-on-girl interaction, but often explicitly reject sexual contact between men at swing clubs or parties. Well, isn't there something for swingers called like a unicorn, which is um, like a single woman who wants to have sex with all parties involved? Yeah, with both of them. And then ideally not um, fuck up or relate to the relationship very much. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like I have friends who are swingers and who have unicorns that they care for. But it's like, yeah, explicitly understood that that's the role. like complex like to have like good intimate sex, but at the same time be like, nope, you have to have a certain amount of emotional removal. It's like, it's almost like there's a, there's some, feels like there should be in the yeah. room someone, like someone watching, just like making sure like, oh, nope, I saw an eye glance there that took a little bit too long. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it's not that way. I'm sure it's a lot more nuanced and complex. But like when I visualize swinging, when I hear words like swapping or trading, I, I very much lean towards the thought that it's like a non-evolved form of like um, non-monogamy. I mean, it depends. There's definitely I've seen fights and I've heard of fights like go down because of jealousy and like we didn't negotiate this or oh, sometimes God. the problem that was swinging like a nightmare situation. Very specific. Yeah. Like you can kiss this person, but don't use tongue or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can put your dick in them, but not like their pussy. Wow. Like, you know, but those negotiations. <laughs> and that's a, that's a fair everywhere. negotiation to have happen. But then everyone needs to know about it. And I feel like I wonder if in those things, sometimes the couples will have agreements that they go in with that they haven't talked to the other couple about. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. Because that's the main and the only reason I can really see for there being like a fight breaking out. Like if you've established all your boundaries, 
like then you know what your boundaries are and you've communicated yeah. them to the other people because if you were able to establish them and notice them and communicate them then you're not uncomfortable about them if you're uncomfortable mm. about them and you've communicated all of them no people then you lie might though not do, uh, well i guess that's the caveat yeah, yeah. but lie. i'd say like going into it like that would be the best solution is just be honest yeah and if you're not able to be honest then don't like be a swinger because it doesn't sound like that's something for you well people do things all the time we're not equipped to do yeah that's true um it's also probably a learning process i imagine yeah the rules or agreements and like structuring a whole lot goes into the next one discussed in this article monogamish popularized within the last few years by dan savage um some allow only one night stands or only specific kinds of sexual activity Others have time or location limitations. Um, and I've done a lot of that. I did that with my marriage stuff. I feel like agreements are a good idea in general. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, my boyfriend's allowed to sleep with anyone who wants uh, between 3 p.m. and 3.01 p.m. 301. Yeah. Why? I can make exactly one minute to go find someone to have sex. <laughs> I'm just oh kidding. my God. <laughs> I, thought, I didn't hear you. And I thought you meant like literally from like 3 p.m. to like 3.01 a.m. I'm like, no. okay, so it's 12 hours in a minute. No, just a minute. Why? Okay. Oh, yeah. gotcha. No, I'm, okay. I'm just trolling you out. I'm oh, sorry. Gotcha. John, who was like previous to this, like, fuck monogamy. It's all bullshit anyway. No one can do that. It's all just jealousy warped up in like different types of complexes. And now I'm like, I get insecure when you message this person. <laughs> I don't like that. Like, and which I fucking hate about myself. Which I'll be honest, like there needs there needs to be some work done there uh, because like jealousy is a a gross thing to project on another person when they're not doing anything wrong. Ooh, well, good because so. we have a um, anger exercise later. Ooh, yeah, I'm down to try it. Good. Let's, let's see if we can wring it all out. Let's take a break. Attention, service, and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your weekend shift at 3am on Saturdays and 4am on Sundays. These special Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? Your first Sin Yin class is free, and they offer 15% on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and to check out other industry-friendly class times. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangebedfellows where you can become a supporter of our creation and help us along the way. Mm-hmm. Thanks, John. So uh, do you remember it was in previous episode i contacted that alpine village for the lesbian <gasps> community did you ever get a response yes holy um, shit they currently only accept quote women born women so no trans women although an argument could be made that trans women are women born women but yeah yeah so what they mean yes. is like women born with the genitalia that they believe is yes correspondent to their idea so of a little turfy little turfy a little bit turfy yeah yeah but i wanted to give the update um that's the unfortunate thing with older lesbian communities sometimes is it's a lot of the um goddess womb virgin not virginity fertility menstruation yeah yeah womanhood shit that is like you don't necessarily like genital yeah genitalia which is like unfortunate because i feel like they're almost playing into like the entire culture that they're trying to get away from um Mm -hmm. and that's just more Mm -hmm. more internalized misogyny right there Mm -hmm. yeah i shouldn't have to either be menstruating or be a mother to participate in the feminine experience and also the fact that they would say women born as women as if like that sounds very turfy to me because that sounds like there's a lot of choice being implied there yeah i find their statements to be like pretty pretty turfy and i wouldn't be surprised if they were swerfy too so ooh, good point you yeah. should ask them are sex workers allowed in your community oh god yeah I, <laughs> stay tuned for next episode <laughs> I, I i'll i'll post a screenshot of their response to me actually yeah. um i don't remember if it was the founder or the person currently running it but it was some kind of manager person who responded but see, on last episode, I had predicted that they would accept trans people because they were based on what they had called a radicaliza- uh, radicalization of like femininity and like something like that. Fighting the patriarchy. Fighting the patriarchy. And I'm like, but you're 
you're not. But you're I'm not more, right I'm now. more in touch with what that population looks like, so I predicted because I'm like, yeah. it's those goddamn older lesbians. <laughs> I wonder like what their <laughs> they did like, a lot for us, but not everything. What their like ethnic makeup is, because if I had to guess, I would say like a lot of like white women. Probably white. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, alrighty. So let's talk some more about some non-monogamy shit. Um, I wonder if I'll I'll probably have sex with my friend again. Oh, that was so funny. The week prior in therapy, I said to my therapist. I'm just going to call him, uh, let's call him John. I said to my therapist, <laughs> I think I might want to have sex with John again sometime. I don't know. And then in therapy last night, I talked for like half an hour and I was like, what else is going? Oh yeah, it's sex with John. <laughs> oh my God. I know, she laughed. She's like, oh, L. Um, so I talked about- Not this John, don't confuse our viewers. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we've never touched wieners. No, we've, no. Never, we've never crossed streams. We've but. never crossed streams. <laughs> I'm not great at peeing up standing. Yeah. I can like spread my labes, but it's a bit of a spray. <laughs> so let's do some book roulette. We have The Ethical Slut, a classic. This is the second edition uh, by Dossie Easton and Janet W. Hardy. Janet and Dossie were partners for a long time, um, like co-authors and play partners. I don't know that they would call themselves play partners, but you get the point. They're yeah. lovers of sorts. Um, so jealousy is something you mentioned. It's very important. It comes up a lot. comes up for me sometimes. Um, B apparently wasn't born with any jealousy at all, so I guess it doesn't come up for him. But <laughs> <laughs> So there's an exercise on page 153. Everyone needs a sense of emotional safety to succeed at feeling secure in open relationships, but thinking up agreements that will help both partners feel emotionally safe can be confusing. In the process of unlearning jealousy, we will at some time be asking our partners to take some risk, to agree to feel some painful feelings, to fall down a few times in order to learn how to ride the emotional bicycle of truly free love. The exercise is eight steps to win-win conflict resolution. Number one, take time out to ventilate anger. So like go for a run or punch a punching bag or listen to some music. Yeah. Uh, number two, select one issue to work on. That's a good idea. Make an appointment to talk is number three. Because you need time and you need a container. Number four, each person takes three minutes to state how they feel while their partner listens Hint, use I statements, avoid you statements, and consider allowing time between each person's statement. Yeah. Try as hard as you can to describe your emotions about the issue. Five, brainstorm, write a list of all possible solutions, even silly ones. Yeah, keep it light. Any joking you can do is nice yeah. for a lot of people. Six, edit the list. Cross out any suggestion that either person feels they could not live with. Seven, choose a solution to try for a specific period of time, perhaps two to four weeks. Eight, reevaluate re when that time is up. Interesting. I like that. And again, that was from The Ethical Slut, a practical guide to polyamory, open relationships, and other adventures by Easton and Hardy. What else we got? Hmm. Ooh. So from an evolutionary uh, sexuality standpoint, sperm wars, infidelity, sexual conflict, and other bedroom battles by Robin Baker is really fun to read. So there is a portion in here that's talking about tenting of the vagina. Tenting is a, not the equivalent, but pretty similar to the erection of a penis. Mm -hmm. So tenting is when the cervix lifts because it's usually swelling with uh, an influx of blood, right? Everything's getting blood. Yeah. Everything's getting nice and swollen and engorged and fluids moving. Um, your cervix goes up. Your vaginal walls widen and lengthen. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's why you can, I mean, just like your butt can relax and you can fist, you, can, you know, you can be fisted or receive sometimes massive things. It just depends how relaxed you are. Um, so they were talking about one of the evolutionary related reasons to licking pussy or sucking dick and in terms of pussy by smelling and then tasting the genitals of a potential person that they would ejaculate into and spread their genetic seed they get to sense for any 
uh, disease or possible infection. Yeah. Uh, but by providing the physical stimulus, it creates the lubrication. This quickly increases the size of the mucus glacier flowing through her cervix. At first, this is accommodated by a tenting cervix. Then when tenting increases, as part of the older section of the enlarged glacier is squeezed on into the vagina like toothpaste out of a tube. So this is getting wet. <laughs> so it's cervical fluid that gets squeezed out, which is why you'll feel sometimes a rut. Well, not you, John, but <laughs> I or people with pussies will feel like a rush of fluid. This flood of mucus lines her vaginal walls, laying down a thick film of lubricant ready for next intercourse. The shedding of mucus, however, does more than simply enhance vaginal lubrication. Because it is the oldest section of mucus that is ejected, it carries with it much of the cervical debris, including any old sperm from previous partners, and disease organisms, and then also old skin. So the initial wetness, a lot of times before sexual activity serves a lot of functions. It's hmm. literally prepping. I mean, that's what sex is for is to breed. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, here, get ready for some sperm. Let me make it more comfortable for you. Luckily, we don't have to breed every time we fuck. That would be terrible. I would never have sex. <laughs> if I had to have children. I'd be like, so glad I'm gay. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so our next book is. Some people live that way too. Can you imagine? What? Just having children? Like Amish, babies like, and babies. Yeah. I know a friend of mine said that her or grandma like really had Catholic. told her that she'd had like 13 children. And she was like, Tia, why? And she's like, we didn't have TV back then. Oh my God. <laughs> or not Tia. Nana, why? <laughs> Tia means aunt. Yeah. Um, damn yeah that would suck god mm -hmm. yeah even if i was that bored if i was like nope gotta take care of a, of a kid just, no I'm, mm -hmm. i'll masturbate thanks mm -hmm. you can just stand there and yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> uh let's see in more than two by franklin voe and eve rickert ooh, with a forward by janet hardy so more than two is a practical guide to ethical polyamory page 348 when we consider how often sexual infidelity occurs within supposedly monogamous relationships, the picture for STI transmission becomes even murkier. An article in the Journal of Sexual Medicine reveals that the overall risk of STI infection is higher in monogamous relationships involving cheating than in openly non-monogamous relationships. The report also found that openly non-monogamous people are more likely to talk about sexual boundaries and sexual health, more likely to use barriers with partners, and more likely to have frequent STI screening than the population as a whole. As a result, the STI risk in communities of openly non-monogamous people is significantly lower than intuition might suggest, and the risk in monogamous relationships is likely higher. So, makes me want to nag you again about Tinder. <laughs> don't hook up with strangers on tinder without using a condom yeah or grinder or whatever for, the fuck. Uh, both platforms i did that for a long while yeah no 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 harm will come to me and uh i got lucky you I got lucky the, i hit the roulette of sleeping with like 40 plus people and never using protection except for maybe a couple times usually when the other party insisted mm -hmm. and um yeah, no, I, I got lucky, quote unquote, to say um, mm -hmm. that I'm uh, STD free. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that, like, you know, if I hadn't begun using condoms, that that wouldn't be like different and that, uh, that I possibly really lucky. can't catch any because uh, there's always the possibility. So, yeah. So I've had chlamydia once. I knew pretty right away. Um, I have HSV one, which is just oral herpes. But I got that from my parents. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I have HPV, which the only thing that sucked about being diagnosed with HPV <laughs> was the colposcopy, was them cutting out little pieces of my cervix to make sure it wasn't cancerous. Ouch. Yeah, that kind of sucked. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I don't have cancer. Yay. <laughs> so I mean, being proactive was still nice. Huge bonus to find yeah. out. Yeah. I'm like, I have a child. I guess <laughs> I should think about other people. Fine. <laughs> oh, I don't give a shit about me. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Daughter wants me around probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. let's see there's one more let's look at opening up a guide to creating and sustaining open relationships by tristan Terramino. Ooh, this is fun uh page 104 
It was the Hawaiian custom at one time to permit men and women to have more than one mate. A man's wives or a woman's husbands are puna lua to each other. The term is also used to refer to the relationship between two people who share a longtime lover, regardless of marital status, or between a person's former and current mate. This is from a piece called Plural Loves, Designs for Bi and Poly Living that is cited in the book. Interesting. Punalua. P-U-N-A-L-U-A. I don't know if I said that correctly, uh, but that's really sweet. So in this section, they're talking about triads, Yeah, which is why that's relevant. So triads is three people in a relationship. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, on the next page, it says groups of three or more can create complex power dynamics. For example, you should be conscious of not ganging up on one partner or allowing one to feel left out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that, that way, like during my threesome that I had at Pride. Oh, I forgot you had a threesome. Yeah. No. And oh my God, it was amazing because like I was at this level of drunk and like self-awareness that you only reach like once in a blue moon Mm. uh, where you're both like equally drunk and like not not well enough to take care of yourself. But you can notice things that grow like are going on with other people. And I was just like I could feel the tension of like the two other guys who like wanted to have this threesome and like they were dating. They were in a long term relationship. Uh I could tell because I was on the 20th floor of their apartment in San Francisco like with a view out. They were, you were the unicorn. Yeah, I was the unicorn. So like, um, and I was basically literally in between both of them um, with like one to my right and one to my left. And like, I could tell that if I was like kissing with like one of them for too long, that the other one would start to like stop moving or tense up a bit. Oh, so like God. I literally began dividing my time between both of them. That's not fun. And I was like, I, it wasn't for me, but it became almost mathematical where I was like, okay, so long as I jerk them both off at the same time, there's that's the baseline. <laughs> and then adding a little bit on top of that for equality is like alternating who I'm making out with. And then the coup de grace was me being like, I'm so drunk, I think I'm going to throw up, but here's a really cool way for them to bond and for me to get out of this, which is, uh, how about you two fuck while you're on top of me? And that way I get to see you two fucking and making love. And then I don't throw up on both of you while we're all having sex. <laughs> Wait, so... So they ended up... Um, you they thought ended you were going to puke, but you asked them to lay on you. <laughs> not like lay, like more like doing the plank above me. You know, oh so God. I was in like the perfect like POV spot to watch them have like great sex while okay. also simultaneously like holding my right thumb in my hand and being like, eliminate your gag reflex, eliminate <laughs> your gag reflex. Your right thumb in your hand. I, I, you know how polite I am, Al? Yeah. I waited until he came and until the other guy came to go throw up in their shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you I do held it in the shower, in, John? Uh, because it started in the toilet and moved to the shower. Why but, um, <laughs> would you move away from the toilet, John? I was very drunk. <laughs> this that is why I don't even... drink anymore. <laughs> was that why? Yeah, honestly, like part of the sense. reason. Like, yeah. I know. I was like, so I'd backstory to this. I had been like super, super sad a few hours earlier. <laughs> Because my um, my current boyfriend, so at the time uh, we were not dating, we were just uh, going on sporadic dates and we were just friends and stuff. Um, but he blew me off at a bar for a, uh, at the time, like what I considered to be a more attractive guy and who looked like an army buzz cut type. And mm. I was like, oh, cool. I shall go back to the Airbnb that I rented <sighs> where like the other four people who were supposed to attend Pride all like blew me off. So I'm in this empty like four bedroom Airbnb. And then I don't know if I remember texting like UL. I think I texted Probably. you something about it. How I was like, I'm on my way back to Pride. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I can do this. I have the manic energy. And then like I forgot that like the bar I had been at had been serving like double or triple shots because the bartender oh, was super I do drunk. Remember this? And it was Pride, and this guy was pouring like his vodka cokes were Coke vodkas. Like I mean, yeah. like like there was more vodka than Coca Cola in my drink. Um, and I was just like, I got shit faced within like nine drinks. Um, yeah, and then, nine would do it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and these were all like super heavy. Oh so I don't God. even remember how I ended up like getting into this threesome other than the fact that like I must have met these people <gasps> oh, at Pride. I, did you send me a picture of you guys in bed together? Yeah. Us, oh yeah, they were yeah. cute. Yeah, they were cute. They yeah. were cute. Um, they were really cute. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Like I remember like getting into the elevator with <sighs> oh them. So there was consent. And oh then like, <laughs> oh my God. and then the rest of it was like all a blur with like, 
bits okay. and pieces so that come up from time to time. If yeah. I lived the way you lived, I would be dead. <laughs> this is how you can cruise around the world when you're six three and a man. Yeah. 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 Just I'm fine. It's yeah. fine. Nine drinks. Nine drinks, stranger with an elevators, elevator strangers. <laughs> they were cute. You got yeah. lucky. They were really polite to me too. And they were, they were so nice. They weren't at all like judgy when I threw up in their like toilet shower. shower. And then like, Jesus. they were just like, oh, like, and then the other guy had to throw up like five minutes after. And I was like, yeah. And then his boyfriend was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to bring him for like an IV. And I was like, do you guys do this always at Pride? Like, oh what the God. fuck? You sound so prepared. Like, bring him for an <laughs> like IV? he's done this before. Oh yeah. God. For like, I guess to get rehydrated. And oh I was like, well, God. I'll just PDL that shit you know good times yeah. all right let's take another pride break is wild. pride is wild are you looking to advertise your product or service to a growing worldwide audience strangebedfellowspdx.com wants to hear from you contact us strangebedfellowspdx at gmail.com to learn about affordable website and social media advertising whether your business is big small or weird we offer sliding scale and affordable advertising Email strangebedfellowspdx at gmail.com to partner with us today. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. John is giving terrible advice on how to take care of yourself at Pride. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, not advice, just personal experience True. of what's happened. Absolutely. I don't recommend getting shit-faced at Pride because it's much safer for you to start sexual interactions sober, and then you can always get more comfortable once you've already had communications and consent with people. There's the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Um, because it is a self-help show, but like this show also started because we love telling our stories. Yeah. And we love hearing people's stories. Yeah. I just don't want anyone to ever think like this is what we advocate for no no, no we've not just at all. destroyed John's our bodies just an idiot <laughs> <laughs> we've just done some really really foolish things and learned from them <laughs> and that's why we're here to tell you oh, yeah circle jerk um <laughs> i'm gonna read this first listener question How do you deal with jealousy issues? I've been intrigued by the idea of openness, but I can't help feeling scared that I would ruin how good my relationship is right now. Well, so it sounds like this is just an idea. It's not something you're currently doing. So you can move really slowly. Yeah, you can take your time, educate you yourself about it. Years. Buy a book. Um, so there's like... Any of the ones we just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, if there's any of those. We have then, some like, more on our website. In terms of advice, there's like, I have a very split personality on this, as Elle will be able to tell you. Well, you, like, know, you know practically what the advice is. I know what the advice is. But you haven't the experience taking it. Exactly. Yet. And I have that problem in a lot of areas of my life, but this one specifically where I'm like, and for a while I was like pretty, pretty good on it. Um, like I was like, okay, so like non-monogamy makes sense or even like ethical, consensual. Or, sorry, consensual non-monogamy makes sense. And I could do that. I could absolutely do that. Like I'm secure enough in myself. To <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so like turns out your first relationship is not the one, relationship is not the one where you're going to like necessarily right off the bat know how to do consensual non-monogamy well you're yeah so you're new to relationship exactly in the first and i'm like what i expected was i will feel incredibly secure when i enter this relationship because i will enter it knowing that both parties want each other and therefore i won't feel any jealousy whatsoever when another party says that they want to sleep with someone or even message someone or be like slightly non-monogamish with someone and instead what i found is that you still have to do the work. You still have to set up your boundaries. You still have to talk about the fact that you have boundaries, which a lot of people simply don't do and skip over. Um, and I'm not ready yet to to begin anything anywhere near like that. And I also feel like I don't have the energy to. Um, but Here. but I'm not against it, which a lot of people like still are. And I find that like when people are against non-monogamy or as a concept, it generally speaks to broader insecurities. So like, I would feel like, okay, if over the process of several years, we could develop the level of trust and communication required for this, I am totally open to it. Mm -hmm. But I have realized that it's not something that you just jump into the deep end in. Mm -hmm. There you go. So I handed you that section of opening up. Oh no, is it opening up? I opened, uh, I handed you that section of more than two, taming the green eyed monster. It says, the worst jealousy. thing about jealousy is how low it makes you reach. Um, Erica Joan. So, Jong. 
what did I want to say on this? So move very slowly in your desires because a lot of people do non-monogamy stuff because it's really um, visible slash popular slash trendy right now. So I hear like I, I could be sitting in a bar drinking my tea or my fizzy water and I can hear Tinder dates from sing- singles around me and they're like, oh, I, I practice non-monogamy and like trying to explain it to each other and like why they do it and I hear this and I'm like oh that's cool you're trying but like I can tell this is new to you yeah you know um or it's like a protection of like yeah. you know it's a lack of like, commitment or like a wall yeah which and is not, not even necessarily idea. like I would say inherently uh devious or even like negative but it, it it can it can be negative but it doesn't come from a place of malice um it can also come from the same place that like I don't know uh, when I think of like my BPD, like borderline personality disorder and how like often if you feel like, you know, there's a risk to something and you're very afraid of being abandoned, then it's easier to also just say like, oh, I'm just going to be non-monogamous. That way no one can leave me because technically I haven't joined anyone yeah. like, or with anyone. But non-monogamy, um, I mean, isn't that at its core? It's But that's sometimes the excuse that people will use like, you know, to to kind of push that, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't. Yeah. And our next guest, so in episode six, we're going to talk to Dr. Roz Deshavo, and she has a lot of messaging about how we really um, kind of move away from like connecting and intimacy anyway. So yeah. even if you don't like love the person you're fucking, you can still care about them enough. And yeah, I totally agree with you that people claim non-monogamy as a way to like set boundaries around them so they don't have to feel like they're going to attach yeah and sometimes that's to protect yourself out of like a fear of insecurity and sometimes that's because you actively know what you're doing and and either way it's like still something to work on Mm -hmm. so So let's give some actual advice for this i can give some because i've been doing this for longer than john go for it yeah the only non-monogamous relationship i've ever participated in was when a guy cheated on his boyfriend with me and then told me about it 20 minutes after yeah, and I checked his Facebook because I was like, no, no, this can't be true. He, he must have just like not liked the sex or something. He doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Solidly been in a relationship for six months officially on Facebook, which I presume means longer than that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's not non-monogamy. That's just yeah, lying. That's just cheating. You know, it's funny. Me and B aren't even connected on Facebook. Yeah. So like technically we haven't been in a relationship at yeah. all. But my, yeah, no, you're uh, my totally boyfriend right. isn't even on Facebook, so technically I'm still single. <laughs> Gentlemen out there. I'm kidding, uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, okay. So <laughs> jealousy issues. First of all, figure out you say you're intrigued by the idea of openness. What what's intriguing to you? What I what do you like about it? Do you like the idea of both being able to like admire someone together and talk about it while you fuck? Or do you want to be able to flirt with someone and then tell your partner later? Um you know, do you want to like maybe for some people, non-monogamy entryway is even like watching porn together. For me, that would be shared admiration, mostly. Um, I've done watching porn with my boyfriend together a lot, actually, mm-hmm. um, especially when I don't want to have sex. I'm just like, hey, but what if we pulled up Tumblr? Nice. <laughs> Which is a really fun way. Uh, he has his own websites that he likes, but he's really into like professionally cut like twink porn mm-hmm. and i'm like i want like raw unedited shitty iphone footage of like two people having sex you like taste. while they're like both like just completely i don't know like at, at some shitty apartment and you can tell like you know it's it's just perfect that's my type that's of porn i don't well, want good. like i don't want like porn with a skyline view and like perfect <laughs> camera lighting like no none, none of that i like um, it all yeah um <laughs> so figure out what you know what kind of relationship what what relationship would you design for your non-monogamy similar in our patriarchy matriarchy episode you know what would your perfect world regarding gender or gender roles or whatever what would that look like what would your relationship look like because honestly so b and i've been together for two and a half years now yeah i you know i had sex with one person about two years in and another person about two and a half years after he i think it was about maybe a year in and like a year and a half you know we've had altogether four other partners between us and that's it you know yeah and for some people that would be impossible for some people that's hardly anything you know like what works for you yeah um if you want to fuck someone together if you want them to have someone and you hear about it you know whatever yeah um it's interesting because we've had discussions like me and my boyfriend about like how 
if we ever do want to, we do reach a point where one of us wants to become non-monogamous, that we'd have a discussion with the other about it Good. and see what their boundaries and like comfort zones were and things like that, which is already a bigger step than most people take when they've entered a like relationship is to immediately begin talking about like the possibility of fucking slash being with other people. I um, recommend it. I yeah. recommend it if it's true for you. Cause yeah. what I said to be was, Hey, so I, I know that I, at some point, I'm going to want to fuck other people if we are together for a long enough amount of time. Yeah. I just, that's how I am. And he was like, okay. Yeah. So if you find that to be true for you, yeah. you I know, I have no idea to be honest. I, it so fluctuates depending, like depending on my mood often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm in like a really good, happy mood, I can go either way as well. I'm like, oh, I feel happy and confident in this relationship and I'm getting all the satisfaction I want out of it, both like emotionally and sexually. And then there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm so happy and confident that I could like, I'd be down to like share this with other people too, but I'd still want to go back to my main person. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment I'm in a place of like, nope, nope, my my person mm-hmm. is to, mm-hmm. is, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, you haven't been together very long. Yeah. So it's like what my therapist said, if you're both having satisfying, fulfilling, exciting sex, whatever, yeah what's the point you don't need exactly, to explain. Yeah. yeah what's the rush and also like both of us are now like we're becoming busier and busier so yeah <laughs> um so there's the time and energy factor to like consider as there is for everything um but no like i've definitely like we've had discussions about it and um i feel like and i honestly do mean this like if i a hundred percent felt as though i was secure in my relationship in terms of like you know, like what they say about letting caged birds fly. Like, it's like, oh, like, mm-hmm. don't cage a bird. Just like, it'll come back to you, if, you know. Yeah. It loves you. I'm like, I'm like, mm, I don't know if it's a good metaphor, but like the idea of that, that concept kind of translated into amorous like love where you're like, you know, if, if I feel like this person is forever going to love me. They can do whatever the fuck they want. I think like, that's how B feels. Like, I genuinely 100% feel like that. Um, but then I also know that in the moment I'll get like insecure. So like it shows that I'm not fully secure in the relationship, which the means relationship I have things to new. work out. Yeah. Because it's new. Yeah. Uh, and See also just cause I'm young and have like, you know, no idea what the fuck relationships are. <laughs> I don't think. Which is why I'm learning is like a lot of our listeners are learning. I'm learning along and I'm like getting to share that, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's weird too, because like my, and she's said, it's okay for me to say this, but like my 14 year old sister is having having her first quote unquote boyfriend um, who she has told my parents is her boyfriend. And for me, the first time I did that, I was like 20 and it lasted a month and wasn't a real relationship at all. And then like my first real relationship was at the age of 22. Mm -hmm. And then like, I still wasn't sure how I was going to tell my parents, like they already knew we'd moved in together, but like, they were like, oh, they're gay besties being gay besties. And I'm like, we definitely don't have sex. <laughs> Just bros being bros. Yeah. And then, hey, mom, can I have like 50 bucks for like, I don't know, a month or two worth of condoms? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fun. That's wonderful. Um, it's been it's, fun to watch you grow. Yeah. And like my parents are really chill about the whole like sex aspect of it, which has been amazing. I, I actually showed them my T-shirt, my... um. Yeah, I don't know if I should mention my t-shirt. Oh, yeah. The t-shirt that says, uh, I don't care if you're homophobic, I already fucked your son. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, so are you going to wear that tomorrow to Mother's Day uh, when you visit his family? And I was like, no, of course not. Dad, are you fucking crazy? Like, I would never wear that. (laughs) Like, but like, yeah. I remember the hoodies on the back. It said it was good. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) And then homosexual. You made those shirts. Yeah, homosexual Maybe we should link those on the website. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just a passion project, but they're they're funny to... it's nice that they exist is all where are we going oh yeah we're on the questions <laughs> yeah uh so yeah so to that question to wrap it up um take your time and if your relationship is great then yeah, yeah take your time it, it says that uh and i'm reading from a paragraph here about taming the green eye monster uh from more than two and it says um jealousy wears many faces because unlike surprise or fear or anger it has built in it is built of many emotions insecurity fear of loss territoriality uh inadequacy poor self-esteem fear of abandonment all these can pile onto one another to make what we think of as jealousy mm-hmm. so some say yes some say no to whether or not it's intrinsically human nature um and they say it doesn't matter it mm-hmm. matters what they feel um there's a difference between jealous feelings and jealous actions cool let's go to the next question what are some reasons or feelings that people have to decide if non-monogamy is for them? What are some reasons you've heard or experienced? So we sourced some listeners. Uh, there's some reasons given. 
I didn't know non-monogamy was an option and something I'd be interested in until my current partner introduced it to me. I finally got the opportunity to explore my bisexuality in a healthy and safe environment with another confidant, making sure I'm not getting hurt. We also get to explore together. I wish we could be more public about it. We work in relatively conservative environments where I'm not sure we would be accepted. Well, that's a both a yes and a no. Yeah. So what's the next one? The next one is going to be, we received this response. My partner and I have sort of always been non-monogamous, but from a swinger point of view, I have just started quote dating women and it is an interesting and challenging new experience. I'm not sure polyamory is for us and I don't want to be monogamous. And sometimes I feel like poly people will judge me for that assertion. Oh, so talking about being judged for being a swinger. So, yeah, that's real. I mean, we were kind of passing judgment on swingers earlier. Yeah. But it's definitely, and that's a good, like, check for us to remember, like, how we analyze things. Um, Yeah, swinging totally works for a lot of people. It's just that we discuss some of the potential downsides to it, which can be sometimes a lot of control and then, like, homophobia towards gay men or bi men. Yeah. I would say bi or queer men. And also, you have to keep in mind that when you say swinging, like, a lot of the swinging that occurs is, like like the origin of it was literally called wife swapping. Um, mm, true. I don't see a lot of like what I would consider to be if we're looking at America as a whole, I'm guessing that most of these guys are not fucking each other. Um, I'm assuming like that there may be like some play, but like that it's mostly going to be like, like wives being quote unquote traded. Um, at least like within this current, like cultural context. I don't I don't see the majority of like swingers being all like, you know, pan people who are Mm. like all having sex in some sort of like perfect orgy. No, Um, no. Let's see. Another feedback was non-monogamy was my way of taking my body back and not letting someone else control it with monogamy. I'm also young and hot, so I'm a go have fun. Oh, that was me at like 18. That's cute. (laughs) I was so jazzed in season one too when I was talking to Jen about my sex club experience, like my other sex with a person, not my boyfriend for the first time in a couple years. That was so good for my self-esteem. Yeah, you seemed really happy after it and more confident. And just like diversity in my life, you know? Uh, So there's a written piece here, the spinoff. Pretty Polly, why non-monogamous relationships are all the rage. Apparently there are many New Zealanders that are Polly. it says in the U.S., it's estimated that about 4 to 5% of people practice polyamory and 20% have attempted some kind of ethical non-monogamy. See, they use ethical non-monogamy. And the word attempted. Yeah. Some kind of, quote, ethical non-monogamy in their lives. There's a New Zealand polyamory Facebook group that has more than 1,000 members. KiwiSwingers.co.nz. <laughs> that is so cute. That's cute. They say they have more than 100,000 people signed up and workshops. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote from Janet Hardy in here. She says, the nature of our audiences has changed. In the old days, it was mostly Renaissance fair geeks and old hippies and other people who were on the fringes. And these days, it's everybody. <laughs> Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cute, but a little bit in New Zealand. I just wouldn't have thought New Zealand for any reason. Yeah. Um, apparently, so we were talking about feminism stuff. I mean, always. But Emma Goldman is an oft-cited turn-of-the-century feminist uh, activist and writer. Uh, she was down for birth control and stuff like that, which was a real no-no then and now. Yeah. But so she had written about free love, but... <laughs> The article is called, and this was on L.com, What Happened When the Mother of Non-Monogamy Fell Head Over Heels in Love? So apparently uh, Emma Goldman fell for a man called Ben, quote, Hobo King Reitman. He went by Hobo King. Uh, He was a radical gynecologist who treated prostitutes and other outcasts for STIs. So they hooked up, um, refers to them as partners in revolution, and... While they were apart, traveling, working, uh, she apparently got jealous uh, that he was fucking other women. So she had written previously about the power of free love and uh, apparently couldn't stick to it really that well herself. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) don't worry. A lot of people struggle with this stuff. Um, 
there was an update. This is a little bit in a different direction, but in a previous episode, so you talked about what happened when you reported your Lyft driver. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Uber is having so many uh, disputes that they're settling behind closed doors by a third party. There's a piece on Gizmodo called It Looks Like Uber's Sleazy Approach to Driver Lawsuits Could Be Backfiring by Melanie Ehrenkrantz. This was in early May. I'm really interested to see how long Uber lasts as a company also because it seems pretty precarious. Well, considering at the rate at which I use Lyft, um, I'd give them about a day. (laughs) (laughs) I just Lyft everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, you do. It says... Uh, In a prospectus that Uber filed with the SEC, it claims that more than 60,000 U.S. drivers have filed arbitration demands against the company. Wow. That's a lot. That is. It says the company is valued at nearly $84 billion. Um, But, I mean, they could get get sued for quite a bit of money, too. Um, So it says forced arbitration clauses often prohibit class action lawsuits. But as the astonishing amount of arbitration demands against Uber illustrates, disgruntled drivers found a way to organize in a powerful way that evaded the limitations of this employment clause. So they might bring some massive lawsuit against Uber. They meaning anyone. Apparently, uh, Nancy Kremen's general counsel of globalization partners in Boston said that this is death by a thousand cuts. Uh, the volume is impossible to deal with from an administrative and legal perspective. So according to the article, in other words, Uber av- hoped to avoid a big costly lawsuit and instead has thousands of small costly arbitration proceedings to wade through. So like they wanted to avoid like a class action lawsuit by drivers or some sort of like union lawsuit. And instead now they have one-on-one lawsuits, but they have 60,000 of them. Jesus. So that could cost them around $600 million and even for a company that's valued at 84 billion that's gonna take a hefty chunk out of a lot of their uh Ooh, and even the publicity yeah no the pr for this is probably terrible and costing them millions alone but Oof. so yeah. i mean we only bring this up because it's a company that is used a lot yeah. um it's been related to some sexual assault and some murder stuff and you know obviously because it was just a new yeah it's like a whole new gig economy things are changing but we yeah. followed uber and their practices around sexual assault and such uh for you know last season and so we'll we'll see how long Uber is around. There's one more piece I want to take a look at. So scarymommy.com is a blogger, writer, website. Uh, it's pretty cheesy. I've never written for them. I have some friends who have. This was a piece that I braced myself while I was reading it because I'm like, this could go either way. What happens when a happily married heterosexual mom falls in love with a woman? this by jennifer vaughn so it's just kind of cute it's very like suburb hetero okay here she says i spent many years afraid to live too big or too loud or to stand out from all the other god-fearing people around me i wanted to fit in that box so badly that that i strive to make my seemingly perfect marriage and family something to be admired so she met a woman developed a crush on her, talked to her husband about it, started integrating this woman into family and outings. And then there's a photo of all three of them. And the girlfriend totally looks like that motorcycle lesbian that's just going to like disrupt your world. She's got like a (laughs) short, short mohawk and like looks like a tribal tattoo peeking out. It's super cute. Yeah. That's amazing. So she says that after she she did come out, she says dozens of people reached out to me through social media about their polyamorous relationships. Most of these people are desperately looking for examples of healthy non-monogamous relationships because there aren't many public ones. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess as we end our episode today, think about whether or not your relationship is monogamous monogamish whatever open sensually non-monogamous yeah what do you want it to look like does it look how you want it to look are there any things you could change can you talk to your partner about any things you would change what would you devise for yourself what would you change john um i would probably increase the level of communication around my insecurities hmm that's a really honest answer. I never know if I'm going to get a shitpost answer from you or. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice I would uh, 
get a penis reduction surgery for my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sex easier for you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> you got both. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. To find behind the scenes, photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.